today's date is May 26 in the year of our Lord 2023 and this is episode 23. Hi punks, going to school huh? Yeah! Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah boy, they're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went through the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, his father, he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus to the temple up on top. And he said, if you are the son of God, come on for this little drop. For the scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil gave to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below. And the devil gave told Jesus, you can have all that you see. If you will just bow down and worship me. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. Hello and welcome to this is an official Godcast. Thank God it's Friday and we are back. My name is Ron Johnson. I'm here with Flightworks Mary and Boilerman09 tonight. Tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest, Carl Chin. Let's welcome everybody in. Mary, let's start with you. Okay. Hi. How are you? You're back. I'm back. Feeling better? I'm feeling much better. It's I'm great not to throwing have you up back. for nothing. 
I'm sorry, you're what? I'm not throwing up for nothing this time. So that, that's, that's awesome. Great. <laughs> Did you get that mic all cleaned up then from last week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last week we had Little Red Rocking Chair and uh she's listening tonight. And yes, Little Red, I am missing you. We had her two weeks in a row, and it's like, where is she? She should be here. She should be here, right? Right. Uh, Little Red, part of the uh part of the shore up squad. And that just gave me like the greatest idea. So why don't we have another shore up squad member? Right. Mary, what's the shore up squad? What is it? What am I even talking about? Well, the shore up squad stands for salvation, helping others remain encouraged, uplifted, and prayerful. And basically it's a, a good landing place for people if they accept Christ and, um, to shore them up because um, to shore up something means that you keep it from falling or you push up something up against it to help it support it. So we have a team that um, is ready and waiting for anybody who accepts Christ um, to just walk alongside them for a time, um, help them with scripture and praying and maybe, you know, help them find a local church or, you know, all those things when we first become a Christian, it can be kind of challenging because the enemy doesn't like that. And he's out to, you know, derail whatever God wants to do. So that's so true. The Shore Up Squad, we have men and women ready and waiting for that. And so we have uh, Laura, Little Red Rocking Chair, is, is ready for any woman that would um, need somebody. And, and tonight's special guest. For, who do we have for the men out there? That would be Jason Stillman. Jason and, Stillman. Yes. And he's here with us tonight. He's our other co-host, Boilerman. Hey, Ron. Oh, hey, nine. Mary. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Fantastic. So glad Otherwise known here. as Boilerman09. <laughs> you guys got your tickets for Bards Fest? We do. We do. Jason, you too? I, I do. I'm... Uh... I'm up in the air whether it's going to happen or not. Um, I got some stuff going on at work and in personal life that I don't know if I'm going to. I'm going to make it. I'm trying. It's, All right, we'll work I it want out. Want to, but yeah. He's going to go. Who's he kidding? So man, yeah. what what a Godcast team! Flightworks, Mary, and Boiler Man 09. Look out, man! What a squad we got here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry right. to be the weak link. <laughs> oh no, not at all. And giving his testimony no, but I'm, tonight. I'm, I'm excited to hear uh i'm excited to hear from our from our guest tonight and uh and and hear what his testimony is this is an amazing man of god that we have here tonight and the cool thing the cool thing about it is i i have been so excited since the very day that i met him i could not wait for this day to come and speaking to him today he was even more excited than that to be here to give his testimony isn't that awesome mm -hmm. So we have here tonight, giving his testimony, Carl Chin. Carl, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine, Ron. Now, Carl and I met at the Larry Jackson Memorial, Barry County Sheriff's Church Safety Conference. Carl was a guest speaker, and he is the president, owner of Faith-Based Security Network, FBSN America. <laughs> You can find him at www.fbsnamerica.com. And Carl, tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, it's it's uh, the faith-based 
Security Network is a 501c3 membership association. It's a uh, Christian-based uh, uh, professional membership association made up of just folks who protect their churches and their faith-based organizations. Uh, we, we often call it church security, a term that I don't really like because it's more than churches. You know, there's ministries that are not a church. Um, but uh, uh, we're an association of those folks and uh, and the law enforcement who supports them. So we've got uh, uh, members in 46 states in Washington, D.C., and it's just an organization of those type of defenders that uh, help each other. Um, I didn't want a, a business that was the Carl Chen Club. I, I wanted members who could interface with each other and and uh, benefit from collective acumen instead of one person's opinion just because I might have been through a couple of things and learned some stuff that still doesn't make me the expert. Um, I feel like the Lord's called me to pull people together who can help each other and uh, called me very specifically to this particular endeavor. And uh, the yes. only reason site is fbsnamerica.com is because we couldn't get just fbsn.com that was already gone <laughs> so we just got a website called fbsnamerica.com but our real name is fbsn faith-based security network and for anyone who's listening that goes to a brick and mortar church i know a lot of people on here this is their church but for those of you that do go to church if you are lacking um, a security team at your church, you're doing it wrong. Um, not in today's world. You this is something that everybody needs. And whether you get the training or not, um, obviously you're better off with the training. And Carl is one of those guys that will provide that for you. So uh, please, if your church is interested, please uh, find Carl and you can reach him at www.fbsnamerica.com. That's the faith-based security network. And you mentioned that you've been through a couple of things. Why have you, it's kind of what's led you to do this. Um, I -hmm. remember when you had spoke, you said you were in two hairy situations. Could you just kind of briefly talk about those? Certainly. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the first time was in 1996 at focus on the family. I was the building engineer there and, uh, as building engineer, I worked with architects, contractors, uh, engineers as we built the facilities. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with the focus on the family campus in Colorado Springs. And part of my job was dealing with continuing nature contracts as well. And that included security systems contractors. And after the Oklahoma City bombing, we uh, took a close look at our readiness level there at Focus, and we hired our uh, security systems contractor to do some upgrades for us and improve our readiness. And then just a year later, the Oklahoma City bombing was April 19th, 1995, and we immediately went into upgrading our systems, as many businesses did in those days. 
And a year later, on May 2nd, 1996, we had an angry gunman come, and uh, he, uh, we, we, we now believe that he had wanted to stage his own suicide with police assistance. But uh, all we knew at the time was we had a very angry gunman and with alleged explosives. Uh, what he was alleging were explosives were not, but when you've got a guy with a trigger device and big stuffed army bags sitting on the floor and telling you he'll touch it off in the, and set off an explosion, you at that point, you've got no reason to not believe him. Yes, you take him but, seriously, uh, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, but uh, four of us were taken hostage in that ordeal, and when it was over, we were we were released after about an hour and a half, and about three and a half hours after that, as I recall, uh, he gave up his gun and surrendered, and then I was the spokesperson for the ministry and the trial that followed. Um, all of us testified, but I worked closely with the district attorney's office out there, and and was the primary um, testimony for the the hostages and Ron, that that incident changed my life um, i i prior to that i i didn't think security was all that big of a deal and um, it changed my life and i i started talking to other churches in colorado about um, being ready for um, whatever may come through the door, because you never know when somebody walks through your door what's on their mind or heart. And uh, one of the churches that I was able to convince that we should do something was my own church, and that was New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And we set up a program in March of 2005. And about a year later, we decided we would arm certain ones of that team so that we could uh, have responsible defenders who were intervention capable, something I talk about a lot in the events that I go to. And um, it was about a year after we made that decision that we did have a man come. And this, this was after he had already killed two people at Youth with a Mission in Arvada, Colorado. And then he got on the internet and wrote wrote uh, several suicide diatribes. And one of those, he said, like Cho, Eric Harris, Ricky Rodriguez, and others, I'm going out to make a stand against this sick, evil religion. And he said, Christian America, this is your Columbine. We didn't know that at the time. We didn't know about these suicide diatribes being written. We knew that two people had been killed at Youth with a Mission. But we didn't know what he'd said, but he uh, started killing at our church. He killed two girls, um, 16 and 18-year-old sisters in the parking lot, uh, Rachel and Stephanie Works, and then came on in the church shooting, uh, not knowing that he would meet armed resistance. And uh, we met him in the hallway, and one of our security operators uh, hit him at least four times with a nine millimeter and then he put his own gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger and when he went down in our hallway uh, he went down with 1400 rounds of ammunition in his backpack so he had the 
capacity and the intention of committing mass murder. And it only takes three things for a crime to happen. That's capacity, intention, and opportunity. We took the opportunity away from him. And that's pretty much my whole message to churches that don't have security. You can't do anything about somebody's intentions. You can't do anything about their capacity. That's what's wrong with just trying to run out there and change laws every time some tragedy happens. Um, write all the laws you want. You're not going to change people's capacity. And um, without Christ in their life and, and uh, uh, good moral values, you're not going to change their intentions. So you've only got one of those three things that you can prepare for, and that's the opportunity. You can remove the criminal of his opportunity. So both of those events back-to-back caused me to have a laser focus on faith-based security and that's that's what led me into this lifestyle into this 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 career i guess you could say this calling and my my first thought goes my first thought is my heart goes out to the two sisters but just to imagine what could have been um sounds like you saved a lot of lives that day your team your security team did you know, those two girls and their mom and dad and their t- other two sisters, Stephanie was a twin. Um, she was 18 years old at the time, I believe, if I recall correctly. Her twin sister was Lori. <clears throat> and uh, Rachel was 16, as I recall. And Grace, their little sister, was 11 at the time. But those four girls and their mom and dad were all very focused on evangelism. They they had been involved in, in mission trips of all kinds, their whole world focused on evangelism. And why two of them were cut short is one of those answers I don't have. I, I just don't have it. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do know that they're a good family I've, I've gotten very close to their mom and dad, David Murray works. They're um, very, very dear friends of mine. And, uh, you know, they, they walked through that with grace, unbelievable. And they wrote a book, the title of which just tells it all gone in a heartbeat. Our daughters died. Our faith survived. And I think the subtitle was something like that, but the name of the book was Gone in a Heartbeat. And wow. uh, that's that's how they've lived their lives. They still honor Christ in everything they do. And I look forward to getting a copy of this and sending it to David <laughs> because he's he's still got a heart to reach people for Christ. Awesome. And Carl, you are an author as well yourself. Your book, Evil Invades Sanctuary, The Case for Security and Faith-Based Organizations. I've got a copy here holding it now, and I've posted that on our Telegram page at thisisanofficialgodcast.com if you want to take a look at what that book looks like. And uh, please, I encourage everyone out there, if you'd like to read more about uh, the experiences that Carl has been through, uh, it's a great book. And please, I encourage you to... um, contact Carl as well if, you, if your church needs such a service. Wow. 
that was, um, those are just heart wrenching stories. It's, uh, you know, by the grace of God, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. In more ways than one. I mean, you know, those are the very tangible stories that, you know, you can read about in a newspaper or watch news about, but, you know, it's the things that we've been saved from that we don't know, you know, when we decided to engage in this uh, covenant with Christ and this giving our life to Christ, we don't have any idea of the things that, that we have not had to face because we made that decision. And even the things that our children haven't had to face because we made that decision. Oh, very, very, very serious subjects. That's, uh, that's to, uh, that's lighten up the, uh, let's lighten it up a little bit. Carl, can you tell us a couple jokes? Whew. You gotta, uh, let's change this mood up a little bit. You know, I, well, I don't well, like, I'll, I'll tell you one's just kind of a funny story. I, you know, the, they're, they occasionally discover somebody that's been on an Island for years, you know, and hasn't talked to anybody. Remember the, World War II Japanese soldiers who were discovered, and then here, well back, they discovered somebody else on an island, and and he built structures, and you know had no tools, but he built structures all over the island. And so a year or two later, a camera crew went back to the island with him and said, uh, uh, "Can you tell us about these structures? What's what's?" It's like you've got a whole little town here. What's this house? What's this structure? He said, well, that's my home. That's where I would sleep and eat most of my meals. And that was my, my home. Oh, really? Nice. Well, what's this structure over here? He said, that was my church. He said, you have to have a church, a place to worship the Lord. And he said, this was my church. And I said, what's this structure over here? He said, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> and uh yeah so i i it really is a joke but if i frame it as a joke it ruins the story for it but uh the punchline of course is that you know people will qu quit your church over the color of the carpet yeah and you know <clears throat> mankind is fickle yeah. we, uh, there's a saying here on bard's nation if uh if you find a perfect church don't go to it. You'll just ruin it. We're always looking for that perfect place to worship. And, um, uh, yeah. Jeff from Kilted Christian said it the best. It's like, you know, there's not any perfect churches, you know, some of them are just teaching wrong doctrine. It's our responsibility to go in there and straighten it out. So if you find a church and they're not doing, you know, it right, don't be afraid to step in and be a leader. Yeah, that's right. I don't know, man. I love my little 20 person church. I, I, I love it. My pastor oh, is based as, you know, oh, oh my goodness. He, 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 he knows it all and he preaches the word of God. I love my little, my little 20 person church. I love them little churches yeah. too. I've been to big churches and small churches and I really enjoy myself in them little churches. It, it turns out to be like a, a big family is what it is. Yeah. You know, for 30 years, my wife and I went to New Life Church in Colorado Springs. That's where the shooting was, where the works girls lost their lives. And, and uh, we were there uh, through the times it was the largest church in Colorado. Uh, we were running 14000 per weekend. 
we were there when wow. we discovered our pastor failure. We had pastor, the founding pastor was involved in some immoral practices that came to light in 2006 and nearly sank the church. And uh, we stayed there until we moved back to Kansas. My wife and I had an opportunity in 2021 to buy my family farm, the Chen family farm in Kansas. <clears throat> Been in our family since 1884. And uh, so my wife and I decided I could run the FBSN from anywhere. I mean, it's all on the computer and driving to an airport and getting on a plane and going somewhere to speak. That that was my life in Colorado, too. I'd drive to Denver. Now I just drive to Wichita. And, uh, you know, when we relocated here, um, I did not want to go to a little 20-person church, Jason. <laughs> I I wanted a big church. I, I wanted, And some of that was because I wanted to hide in the audience. And, um, and, and some of it was that I didn't trust the little churches. You know, I had it in my mind, if they're little, they're little for a reason. And, you know, there's a reason they're not growing. And my wife and I found a little country church <clears throat> nine miles from our home. And there's nothing nine miles from our home. I mean, our closest neighbor is three miles away. And we oh, wow. are very remote. <clears throat> And if we see or hear a vehicle, they're coming to see us. They're on our land. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we love it. But we found a little country church down there in the town of Sun City, Kansas, that we just loved. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I just want to be there. It's, it's just my wife and I were talking the other night. This is a great church to grow old in. And, what a blessing. Uh, we we love the people. The pastor just speaks the word of God every Sunday and uh, you know, launch on the grounds every Sunday. <laughs> you know, yeah, there old... there's something to be said about doing community like that, where where yeah. you're doing a, a meal with your church once a week or or yeah. once a month or something that that your community is that small enough that. The pastor knows you by name and shakes your hand every morning. There's there's something yeah. to be said about that. Yeah, absolutely. Loving it. This town of Sun City, Kansas, depending on on who's died recently or who's moved away, is 34 people. We run between 70 and 100 in that little church. Some people drive from Oklahoma, others from 50, 60 miles away. Some come out from Wichita, which is 80 miles away. And, uh, you know, it, how many churches do you know where there's more in the church than there are in the town? And, uh, of course, it's a very small town. <laughs> but, uh, no, we, we have really loved it. Thank you. Um, okay, we're going to get started. Hey, one uh before we go into a prayer or an announcements, Carl, please, one more joke. The the one about the guy who fell asleep. This one kills me. I love this one. Wait, I, I've got to ask Carl to do some jokes. We've never had any jokes on this is official Godcast, and Carl told two doozies when I went and listened to him speak, and I just wanted to hear him tell him yeah, again. No, I, I, I didn't even remember telling the one about the guy falling asleep, but it's a joke I grew up with in my church. My mom and dad used to tell this joke all the time, but, you know, 
preacher was preaching away up there and noticed a guy in the audience right on the front row who'd fallen asleep and just bothered him. And finally, the pastor, he couldn't take it anymore. He, it was bothering him that this, this brother had fallen asleep, head bobbing, slobbering, just sound asleep. <laughs> finally, um, there's variations of it. The one I like the best is he told one of his deacons, he said, Brother Smith, would you wake that man up? And Deacon looked at the pastor. He said, Pastor, you wake him up. You put him to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we sometimes got to laugh to keep from crying, but I, I love good humor. Uh, I think it's funny because I've been guilty of that myself. I've, I, I've rested my eyes once or twice in a sermon. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be honest. You know, it's the end yeah. of the work week, and man, sometimes that voice is just so soothing, and you're hearing a good message, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh, what, 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 what's that say about the pastor, though?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so announcements. Um, I want to bring everyone's attention to, if I could, if you haven't gone and listened to episode eight, please go back and listen to episode eight. Episode eight is Pastor Ethan Holmes, and he speaks on salvation. It's not a testimony episode. He just speaks about salvation, and and it's all everything that you need to know. Now, we're going to have Pastor Ethan Holmes back in September, the first Friday of September. He's coming back. It's going to be episode 37. And again, we're going to talk about salvation, but this is going to be a Q&A that means we need you, our listeners, to get involved. So please put that on your calendar. Episode 37, it's salvation, it's question A. Um, not sure if we're going to have call-ins or just uh, chat-ins, but I want you guys to get ready. So first, uh, if you guys have any questions about salvation or anything else for that matter, but salvation, uh, please come back and listen to episode 37. And don't forget to go back and listen to episode eight, Pastor Ethan Holmes on salvation. A very, very great, great episode. Next week, June 2nd, we're going to have another USCCA instructor, Skip Coriel. Skip Coriel is a local bloke here in the uh, Barry County area. And Skip's a great guy. I did my CCP training under Skip a few years ago and bumped into him uh, when I had, when I had met Carl same day. And uh, what a blessing to meet both these guys there. And so Skip's coming next week. Carl, you said you know Skip? I do know Skip. I'm you guys Skip are old friends. Years. And then the week after that, which will be June 9th, episode 25, we're going to have a gentleman by the name of Victor Pierce. Victor is a peace officer for Merrill Township, and he was also an instructor there at the training seminar. And if you want to learn how to clear a building and clear a room and uh, do all that fun stuff, man, Victor's your guy, but talk about a strong man of God, Victor Pierce. Uh, we're very excited to hear him and also Skip Coriel. We're looking forward to those two testimonies coming up in the next couple of weeks. And of course, don't forget tonight at eight o'clock and he's listening. Hi, Conley. Jim's in the house. Eight o'clock PM. We're going to have the Conley Podbean uh, here on Podbean. You can listen to that eight o'clock PM Eastern time at nine Eastern. We have Bards FM and 10.30 Eastern Time, Kilted Christian, and doing the Midnight Shift, Scott doing Fishers of Men. So no need to go anywhere tonight. Stay right here on Podbean. Podbean is hopping. Fall asleep with your phone in your hand. 
listening to all these great podcasts. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, am I missing anything, Mary? No. Mary's shaking her head. No. Okay. So Jason, are you still with us? I brought Jason in here because no, 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 I'm, I'm here. I, I, I have myself muted. Yeah, Jay no, I, I don't Jason's... think you missed anything. It's a great, great, great uh, episode tonight. Jason, part of our shore up squad. He's going to lead us in prayer tonight. I just want to showcase what a great man of God Jason is um, for anyone who is new and needs any kind of um, any kind of advice, any help with scripture, anything at all, please get in contact with us. We'll put you in contact with Jason. Uh, he's a, he's a great guy that can lead you through all this stuff. So Jason, if you could please lead us in prayer tonight, and then we're going to get going on this. You bet. Uh, father, thank you for this time we've had on the Godcast tonight, Lord. Uh, thank you for the um, testimony that was shared and, um, the witness of your, the truth of your word, Lord, I just, uh, I ask that any that are listening tonight um, live or um, any listening on the podcast as they, as they listen later on, um, if they're interested in salvation, Lord, reach out um, to um, the Godcast crew. Um, we're here to help. Um, but Lord, I just pray that uh, the message of um, your salvation, your love, and your word would um, just um, uh, would, would, would permeate um, those that are listening, um, whether um, they're live or whether they're listening later on. Um, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us and encourage us, um, teach us, and help us to grow in relationship with you and one another. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jason. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Without further ado, our listeners, I give to you Carl Chin. Carl, we are um, really good at interrupting and asking questions, so I hope you don't mind. I think you agreed to that earlier, Mary. So. And also for those that are listening, uh, please, if you have any questions for Carl, feel free to tag myself, Mary. Um, I don't think Jason's going to be in the chat. So just uh, t tag Mary and myself and we'll try and get a question in. And um, oh, uh, Mary's going to pray for us at the end. So if there are any prayer requests, please chat, tag Mary and chat in a prayer request to Mary. And we will pray for you as well at the end of the show. All right, Carl, um, hand the mic over to you um begin at any time thank you so much right. again for coming we greatly appreciate you and thank you brother well i i like i told you before i am so honored to be able to uh <clears throat> just give my testimony tonight i've uh i've spoken over 400 times in 42 states but rarely do i have the chance to give my testimony and uh, I have been just looking forward to this. <clears throat> it's been too long since I've given my testimony. And uh, speaking of the public speaking I do, the first time I spoke publicly outside of my own church was in 1996, right after that hostage situation at Focus on the Family that I told about uh, earlier. <clears throat> and uh, I was asked to speak to a group of business leaders that were all members of the Colorado Springs Chamber of Commerce about security <clears throat> and about some of the lessons learned we'd had. And so in the days leading up to that event where I was gonna be speaking to these businessmen, they contacted me and they asked for my bio. I, I didn't even really know what that was. <clears throat> didn't understand what it was for. And they explained to me that 
you know, I needed to write down some things about myself and send it to them. Uh, so I did. And well, then they got up there and read all this stuff. And it, I was so struck, Ron, as, as I was sitting there listening to them read my bio. And the thing that was just just hitting me in my, my mind was, what if, because they told me you write a bio for the specific audience. They said, you, you highlight the things in your life that that specific audience would interest them, cause them to want to hear what you have to say. And as they were reading my bio to this group of businessmen, I was wondering, how would I write my bio if I had only three people in the audience, God the Father, Christ, and the Holy Spirit? What would I say? <laughs> I, I can tell you this, it'd be real short. And, uh, you know, I, that night I went home and I sat down and I wrote out my bio as I would want it said with those three men, those three sitting in the audience. And it's simply this, Carl Chin is a man saved by grace, confirmed by covenant in Christ. He made that decision in 1979 and hopes each year finds him better at his part of that covenant and doing what he was formed to do. And then I'd ask the introducer to stop it right there <laughs> and not say more, because I, I know if there's anything good here, it's by the grace of God. And uh, I grew up in a very Christ-centered home, back to my grandparents on both sides and even beyond. And my two older brothers gave their lives to Christ at, at, at early ages. And, and Christ really was the anchor and central theme in our home. It wasn't just a wooden plaque on the wall declaring as for me and my house. It, it was really a very Christian home. And I've told people many times if there was a picture in the encyclopedia of what a godly man and wife and mom and dad should look like it'd be a picture of my parents you know and, and ron we've heard people say that you know it's god family and country and my dad made it very clear it was god mom family and country when dad prayed it was like listening to a man speak to an old friend mm -hmm. and us boys it's me and my two older brothers we knew there was nobody else in this world that meant as much to dad as mom did. And when we would get in our most trouble was when dad would uh, come home. Dad was a railroader. He was a conductor for the Rock Island line. And he was also a farmer. When he was not out on the railroad, he was working with cattle or corn. And uh, if we did something that embarrassed our mother, we knew dad was was gonna deal with us on that he he truly looked up to her as as Ephesians the fifth chapter ask a man to to serve his wife yes so with that you know a, a lot of i was just saying, can, I, can i interrupt you just a second sure. um you know a lot of uh a lot of us don't I mean, I grew up knowing from a very early age um, the importance of who God and who Christ was in my life. But there are a lot of listeners who don't understand what that was like 
How, can, can you go back to, you know, you said, you know, um, and, and I, I respect what your parents did in your life. Can you go back to the first time that you realized who God was and how that made a difference in your life and, and in your family growing up? Oh, you bet. I, I will. Um, the, the first time I, I made what I consider a token effort at salvation, I did so because I knew it was the right thing to do. You know, at, and growing up in that home, I just knew that we should get we should get saved. We should give our life to God. We should give our life to Christ. I knew that was something we should do. And uh, my older brother was in Vietnam at the time and in battle over there. And I I I just thought it was, you know, time that I give my life to the Lord. We had an evangelist come to town and uh, spoke the great words, and they resonated with me. I, I mean, I truly heard some of those words and, and was moved by them, but it was all, for me at that first time, it was just about the momentum of the moment, and it really didn't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit working on my heart. I, I was doing it because I knew that I should. And, uh, you know, then uh, the next day I went back to school thinking everything would be better. And I know every kid feels bullied at one time or another, but I, I really was um, tortured and bullied. It was a daily thing with me. I hated school, guys. I, I did not want to go. I had kids who would uh, run up beside me and just start punching me because they knew that I lived in a Christian home where we spoke turn the other cheek. And I can remember riding my bike with kids running alongside me, punching me, and, you know, let me have the other cheek now, you know, and, and it, it was hard trying to be a good Christian kid when I when I really hadn't experienced that salvation moment, uh, I hadn't, I, I hadn't personalized it to me, even though I had, uh, you know, a godly upbringing and godly brothers and, and everything was, was right. It still wasn't clear to me at 12 years old. And so, you know, being bullied, uh, that just led me to a lot of confusion, uh, which is prominent in any teen teenager. I know that. But for me, that confusion led me to discover the forbidden things of my upbringing. And, you know, the doors got opened to things that my mom and dad wouldn't have believed. Uh, and that, that happens to kids that come out of a Christian home. It happened to me. And then discovery led to total immersion. And by the time I was 16, I was, I, I, I'll just tell you, I was fully immersed in the pleasures of the world. And a former guest on your program said, sometimes the things of the world crowded Christ out of my life. And I thought when he said that, I thought, for me, the things of the world were such a priority that I had no interest in giving up any of that. 
Acts of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but mom and dad made me go to church. And I recall it was sometime in those years that I went on a Sunday morning. And, you know, we hear a preacher say something. And we, we hear what we want to hear, you know. Yeah. And I was 16, 17 years old. And I'd been out the night before and, and indulging in all the things I shouldn't have been doing. And what I heard this preacher say was, there is no pleasure in sin. Uh, you know, now I recognize when I get to heaven, I'm going to have God roll that tape. I want to hear what he really said, because I'm sure he was speaking out of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and and uh, talking about, you know, the 25th verse makes reference to the pleasures of sin are only temporal or seasonal or the fleeting and uh, but i heard him say there is no pleasure in sin and i knew better because i'd had a lot of fun the night before and so these kind of things ron you talked about you walked away from god when you were a teenager and about graduation age and and i could say i walked away from god but i i really never had that personal experience that you're looking for jason um that you asked about it that came so much later and uh you know and i i went from being bullied to um rejecting everything i could think of about the church and and walking away from the church and and wasn't walking away from christ because i hadn't given my life to him in the first place but I went from being bullied to being one of the strongest guys in the school. And I got really into physical fitness and achieved some great things there. And, and I thought I was really something. So I, I went from confusion to pride and arrogance. And then as I get closer to answering your question, Jason, of when it really became real to me, I, I could say that it was my family upbringing that eventually brought me to Christ. Yeah, good, great parents, good brothers, Christ-centered family heritage that went back generations. All that was an influence. I mean, we have a copy of the will of my great, great times, I don't know how many, nth degree grandfather, uh, John Chen, who was the first Chen who came to America. who in his will that was filed after his death on November 12th, 1691, had written, I give and commit my soul unto God, my Savior and Redeemer, in whom and by the merits of Jesus Christ, I trust and believe assuredly to be saved and to have full remission of all my sins. I mean, yeah, I, I, I had a rich heritage, but I had set my face in a different direction. And I had no interest in giving my life to Christ. That was a significant step. And, and you know, um, guys and Mary, it, in the end, it isn't what our parents or our grandparents to the nth degree great <laughs> did or didn't do mm-hmm. that confirms our personal walk. You know, I could have gone to my grave in hell with all that family momentum, just like somebody with parents 180 degrees different than mine can have all the blessings of life and eternity, regardless of where we were born and how we were raised, what our ancestors had or what our ancestors endured. We each 
have the opportunity to make a decision to join with Christ and be a joint heir with him. And, and I, I had set my face against that, but some very significant things started happening in my life when I was 18 years old. And the first, in December of 1976, I was sitting in front of the, in the front of the church tuning my guitar because, like I said, mom and dad made me go to church, and uh, and I tolerated church by playing guitar, and I was always at the front. It was it wasn't really a worship team. It was a piano player, me on the guitar, and dad leading the singing. Um, but I loved playing my guitar in church. I had an old Martin guitar, and I, I loved country music. And, you know, gospel has kind of a country rhythm to it. So when I wasn't listening to Willie and Waylon or Johnny Cash, I was playing in church. And uh, I was sitting up there in front of the church tuning my guitar when through the back door of that little church walked the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen in my life. And uh <laughs> Girls were my biggest sin issue. It wasn't drugs and rock and roll, but it was girls. And we'll just leave that right there. But this girl was different. And I still look at her and feel the same way. It's been nearly 50 years, and she still rocks my world. And we married in 1978. We had our first child in 1979. And we didn't know that she was pregnant with twins and uh, she her water broke in February of 1979 we'd been to two or three Lamaze classes we didn't know what was happening it was scary to us I drove her to the hospital um, she went into the hospital and Jason was born about six o'clock the next morning and uh, he was very premature and Dina kept looking at him and she was so worried, you know, she was saying, why is he not making any sound? I, I, I want to hear him cry. And they were telling her he's going to be fine. And the doctor and the nurses were working with him. And of course we'd seen all the TV shows where you spank the little baby on the butt and he starts wailing. Um, but that, well, that wasn't happening. And uh, so I was standing there with Dina holding her hand and, and the doctor and all the nurses were over there at the at Jason, and we we didn't even have equipment in our little rural hospital. They literally had him under a heat lamp, like you see in a chicken coop, a incandescent bulb and a tin domed heat lamp. And uh, I understand they they had gone ahead and called an ambulance out from Wichita, 80 miles away, and told them they needed prenatal equipment on there or, or premature baby equipment and uh, so I'm standing there holding Dina's hand and I kept looking at her belly I'm thinking wow I, I know it doesn't all go down at once but wow that's still a lot <laughs> and she was a very little girl uh, Dina's uh, very petite uh, and still is and, and uh, you know I just knew that didn't look right and I kept waiting for the doctor to come over there. And finally he did. Man, he grinned and put his hand on her belly and looked at me with that, that, that 
Sly grin. He said, "There's another in there," <laughs> and that was the first we knew we were having twins. <laughs> oh but, wow! Uh, uh, yeah, what a yeah. blessing. And so they uh, they literally had to call the the ambulance, and the ambulance had to turn around and go get another incubator for the ambulance because they had already left the hospital, and they had to go turn around and go get another. And uh, <laughs> wow! So, <laughs> go ahead. You, were you going to ask something? No, I was just wowing. That's an amazing story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was a life changing event for us, and and uh, they wouldn't let her hold them. Uh, they were too little. They and let her look at them over her feet, and then whisk them out of the room and. When we heard the ambulance start, that was one of the most heart-wrenching cries I've ever heard from my wife in our in our experience. And these were the days they wanted you to stay in the hospital for three days after having a baby, and she wasn't she wasn't going to do it. She wanted out that night, <laughs> and uh, she got out that night. Um, and I took her over to Wichita, and for about a week. I'd call every day and Jason was still in intensive care and Corey was in intermediate care. And the difference, well, there's a lot of differences, but the basic difference was that uh, one nurse was assigned to Jason and as a intensive care and in intermediate care, one nurse had three babies that she would circle back and forth between. And so about a week passed and, I was over at my, I went over to mom and dad's home and dad was out on the railroad. And my mom asked me if I'd called the hospital. I said, no, mom, I, not, not today. I haven't called them yet. And the reason was I was tired of getting the same message. It just seemed like nothing was changing. Well, the Billy Rubin count is this and jaundice this and all these things that I didn't want to know about. I didn't know these terms and I didn't want to know them. And we're not going to let them out until they're at least four pounds. And, you know, and that seemed like it was going to be a long ways off. And my mom told me, she said, please call. She said, we, we had a special prayer in church last night for those little boys. She said, I believe you're going to hear something miraculous <laughs> well you know i'd grown up in that church and you know heard testimonies out the wazoo and uh in answer to your question jason none of it was personal to me i'd grown up cynic of all of it cynical so i called Corey's floor first the intermediate care was on a different floor I called intermediate care and I said, this is Corey Chen's dad. And I would like to talk to his nurse. And the lady said, Corey's not here. And I said, where is he? He said, your wife took him. I said, took him where? She laughed. She said, we don't care. <laughs> oh, my guess. <laughs> and I said, but, but you told me every day that they're not going to be released till they're four pounds. And I know he's not four pounds yet. She said, the doctor made a decision 
this morning that he had improved so much with your wife being around him that he thinks the best place on earth for that little boy is with your wife. Amen. And well, there said, you go. I said, well, can you connect me to intensive care so I can talk to Jason's nurse? She said, oh, Jason moved up here in the night. And well, imagine that <laughs> prayer, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so Jason, that was the first time I felt a personal connection mm. and benefit to an answered prayer. That was my first encounter with God in a personal way. And then not long after we got him home, we had a heavy rain one night. My wife and I, I'd bought this little house and was putting a new roof on it. And I wasn't quite done. And the roof was leaking like crazy in their bedroom. And in the middle of the night, I got up and checked on them. And I, I was moving their cribs all around. I mean, you can imagine we, we thought we were having one baby and then we had two. We had we had to buy another crib. We had to buy, you know, two car seats, you know, a double stroller, all this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, two little cribs in this very little room. I couldn't situate them to where I could get them out of the rain. <laughs> and this time I prayed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I prayed a sincere prayer. I said, God, please protect my boys. Stop this leak. And I watched every one of those leaks shut off like a valve. Wow. And it stayed, stayed dry all night through the rain. So I knew God at that point had answered my prayer. And I had mixed feelings about that. I mean, I was grateful, but I felt very undeserving. Um, yeah. And it was the start of me realizing that I had either been given some incorrect details about God or I'd heard things wrong or probably a little of both. Uh, because for one thing, I'd been taught that God can't hear a sinner's prayer. You can't hear somebody pray until they've accepted Christ. I knew that wasn't right because I knew my prayer had been answered in an instant. I saw it. It was undeniable and it was in a goosebumpy way. Um, it, it was undeniable, like I said, but I also knew beyond any doubt that I had not accepted Christ into my life. And, and I still at that time had no intentions of doing so. I mean, I, I, I had this thought as, as I've talked to others who grew up in a Christian home that, you know, I'll go through my life enjoying, uh, the pleasures that I've talked about, uh, and, uh, you know, then, when I see my life's about over, I'll go ahead and give my life to the Lord and get in the gates right in the nick of time. You know, that was my plan. And uh, all through this time, from the time I was 14, when I started really focusing on physical fitness, um, from the time I was 14 till I was 24, I had the same job. I worked for a hay hauler every summer. We hauled hay bales. We didn't bale them. We didn't swath. We didn't cut hay. All we did was haul hay bales, pick it up off the fields, put it in barns, put it on trucks, put it in stacks in the field, and go out and pick up another field the next day. And, uh, <clears throat> and 
I had that job in the summer and in the winter, I became a professional trapper and fur handler. And I was very successful at both. And in our country, there were a lot of coyotes and ranches, and that's that's what I went after. And, and uh, coyotes aren't popular with ranches, ranchers, and so I I kind of did that. And and I was successful at both in the hay field and and with the uh, the fur. In my senior year of high school, I made more money than any of my teachers did. I took my work very serious with a focus on being the best I could be. I didn't do any sports as I had no time for such things that didn't fit my priorities. And sports was a, was a detractant. It was, a, it was distracting to me. And the other six guys on the hay crew were a rough bunch. And I was the runt. Uh, there was one guy smaller than me, but we were the runts of the hay crew. These were big guys with no biblical background whatsoever. And you talk about pride and arrogance. <clears throat> a bunch of hay haulers are the literal walking picture of pride and arrogance. And uh, I, I just, when, when you're hauling hay on Kansas hayfield, on the back of a hay wagon, picking up bales from an alfalfa field. You're the highest point in all that flat countryside, right? There's, there's other than a tree miles away, you're the highest thing. And uh, the only thing higher is the stack at the corner of the field where you're stacking the hay 12 tiers high. And Kansas is legendary for its thunderstorms. And I've experienced lightning striking the ground so close to our hay wagon that you could feel the impact from your feet all the way up through your body, like someone hitting the ground with a giant sledgehammer next to you. The ground just bounces and the sky rumbles and those thunderstorms are violent. And my boss wouldn't stop the hay wagon for nothing but rain. It could be a thunderstorm all you want. He ain't stopping. Um, He'd only stop for rain. And the crazy guys I worked with, including my boss, would all be yelling about God not existing during those storms and, and uh, shaking their fist at the sky and yelling, if there's a God, let him strike this hay wagon right now. And, and, and the only reason they did that is because they knew I believed in God. Uh, we would have debates and discussions and I was the minority in that because I knew there was a God. I wasn't a Christian yet, uh, but I I wasn't going to blaspheme and say there is no God. Yeah, that's some, and, that's some dangerous talks right there. Oh man, it it would make me so upset when these guys would start that. And of course, they were, you know, th these are big competitive guys and and guys being what they are you show a little bit of fear and they'll pour it on and that's what they were doing i was far from being a christian but the hay crew still considered me a bible thumper uh, that was that was what they called me because i believed in god and i wasn't going to deny him <laughs> because i i feared for my life and uh but and in, uh, in, in 19, I, I mean, these guys, you got to understand, they didn't even do drugs or drink because the negative effect on their bodies and minds, 
these, these are guys who were totally into physical fitness. So, you know, they had some healthy principles. Uh, but are you there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, good. I had two calls come in back to back, but I tried to. <laughs> of course, yes, of course. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, these guys, they had some healthy principles, but they didn't believe in God. Um, and in 1979, a real revival broke out in this little community. And there were no evangelists that came. There was no big event. But my friends started dropping like fries, dropping like flies and sharing their testimonies. And just before our twins were born, one of the guys I worked with in the summer hayfields pulled into our driveway one late winter day in 1979. And Dina didn't even know him. She said, who's that? I told her, I said, it's a guy I work with in the summer. We didn't really even like each other. We worked together, we tolerated each other, but didn't really like each other. And uh, I had no idea why he was coming to see me, but I opened my door to him and let him into the house. And I always remember how he ducked when he came under the door. I mean, these are big guys. <laughs> and I could see something different in it. And I, I had been around church enough, and I'd seen that look before, and I knew what it was. I knew he'd accepted Christ, but the way he told me is something I'll never forget. He said, look, I, I just wanted to come by and apologize for all those stupid things I would yell about God in lightning storms. He said, you were right. There is a God. And I turned my life over to him. And, and then he went on. To, he said, but you're one of the only people I know who knows the Bible. Will you take me through it? You know, so here I am running from God, basically. But in the hay crews feeling, I'm a Bible thumper. You know, and I'm the only one that he knows to go to to take him through the Bible. And that man would be a fascinating interview for you to do. His name is Russell Steen. And uh, he's still with the film crew of Joyce Meyer Ministries been there for many years and he'd be a great one for you to get his testimony too but so we would have our little bible studies and i'd talk to him about old time bible studies and answer his questions about the trinity i don't know what kind of nonsense i said but uh you know i was i was trying to be a bible study leader to him and uh in kansas the first cutting of alfalfa typically comes around Memorial Day weekend. That's when we'd start hauling bales. So on Monday morning, Memorial Day, May 28th, 1979, uh, we all met and climbed in the big crew cab truck about 6.50 that morning to head to the hay fields. And I sat next to Russell and in to my left slid one of my other friends who I've been friends with since kindergarten. And his name is John. And once again, I looked at him and I knew good and well he'd accepted Christ. He was sitting, he didn't, he was missing a lot of his tooth. He'd had a head on collision and knocked all the teeth out of his head and looks at me with 
uh, this toothless grin, and I knew he was just glowing. <laughs> so God and, flanked you, totally flanked you yeah, in that truck. <laughs> and not only that, but I was on John's wagon all day. We had two hay wagons, and then you know one would be at the stack while the other's out in the field. And so I was on John John's wagon that day. And just all day long, he was telling me about his new life in Christ. And, you know, Mary, that night, I was wore out physically. My head and my ears hurt. I, I was tired. I wanted nothing but to go home get a nice shower and drink supper and go to bed. But John, this day-old Christian, and Russell, the one who'd come to my home that winter, followed me home and even brought another on Christian with him. And of course we get to the house and I don't get to eat my supper because now we got guests and we didn't have enough money to feed all them. So I'm not eating anything and I'm, I'm starting to get mad, but they wanted to pray. So we all got down and we prayed, but as we were going through that prayer, that's when the Holy spirit really started troubling me. Yeah, And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, now I got these two little boys in this room next to me that I know God saved them from, from death, maybe, uh, saved them certainly from, from, uh, mental and physical conditions that they could have gone to. One of them's an officer in the Navy now going to retire in two years. He's a Lieutenant commander. Navy. The other one's a mechanical engineer in Colorado. And, and I could, I knew that these two little boys are going to need a responsible dad and that I had a wife who was going to need a responsible husband. Yes. And Jason, this is where I went back to my dad. I thought of my own dad. I'm, I'm kneeling on the ground that night on the floor of our living room, mad because my friends followed me home <laughs> and they're obviously wanting me to give my life to Christ. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking about my dad and what a living legacy he is and an honorable man that other railroaders and farmers would come to for advice. And he was well known for being honest and caring and clear. And I was known for being a hay hauling, coyote killing, beer drinking mountain man. And it was a persona (laughs) I liked and I didn't want anything else. But then I started thinking, what kind of a shadow is that for these little boys to grow up under? What am I passing to them? And I knew what I was missing. And as I knelt there on the floor that night in May of 1979, um, my mind was going deep through all that. Then I realized all of a sudden that John and Russ and my wife and everybody had already finished praying and they were all standing up and I was the one still on the floor. (laughs) I I looked up and I said, guys, I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. And Russell, I'll never forget. He gave this really confused look because, you know, he hadn't been tainted by works-based theologies like I had. And he was just looking at me. I mean, that just didn't compute with him. what do you mean you're not a Christian anymore? How could you not do that? And then I just spit out the truth. I said, look, I've never given my life to Christ. And Russell put his big, huge hands together and looked at the others in the room, including my wife. And he said, well, 
we know what to do about that. Awesome. And so on May 27th, 1979, I gave my life to Christ and got active in our church immediately after. And, and, you know, when I, when I say gave my life to Christ, to me, that is, that is not just a cutesy saying. That's something that you drive a stake in the ground and you say, I'm giving my life to Christ. A yes, pastor and- that I know very well said, he said, there's this argument out there. Can you lose your salvation? He said, I know I can't lose mine. He said, that's the depth of my theology. I know I can't lose mine. And <clears throat> yes, I've, I've held on to that for years. But I got active in the church, uh, led the song service, took over for dad, leading the song service. I would preach when the pastor was gone, led Bible studies to high school and college age Sunday school and served on the board. And then uh, 1984, we moved to Texas. We had a little girl then, in addition to the twins, to be part of a growing church down there that my older brother was a pastor in. Then in 1991, we moved to Colorado Springs to go to work for Focus on the Family. And by then, we were a full house, three boys and two girls. And, uh, you know, the biggest testament to that being the right decision and uh, testament to his grace in our life is that, you know, Dina and I have now been married 44 years. It'll be 45 in July. Our five grown children are all raising their children in Christian homes and they're very close to each other. They're gathering at our house tonight. (laughs) You know, we, we pray together as a family still on zoom every Saturday night, Um, my wife and I and our five grown children. And we have 21 grandchildren and one great grandchild. Wow. And I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't deserve any of that. But God is faithful, and, uh, you know, we we talked at the beginning of this about the ministry that I'm in, and, you know, one thing that I stress to our members, and and, and in some ways, uh, Ron, and I may have alluded to this when I spoke to you in Michigan when I was up there, um, in many ways, we're affecting this culture of church security. You know, prior to the 21st century, uh, we didn't hear the term church security very much. You know, in the 1990s and before, it just wasn't a prominent thing. When we were planning security at Focus on the Family in 1996, there there just wasn't anybody else to talk to that was doing it. Uh, I mean, we talked to Billy Graham Ministries a little bit. Billy Graham was uh, had some people that were doing security and doing it well. And uh, but aside from Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, there just there there wasn't much out there. And uh, so this this thing has sprung up in the last 20 years. I don't call it an industry or a business. I call it an endeavor. It's a great endeavor. And there's a lot of people out there doing the right thing the wrong way. Um, and we're we're trying very hard to affect this culture of church security. And one of the things we 
we tell our, our people is you can't serve better than you live. And if you're doing this so that you have a, you know, handgun under your suit pocket and a bulge on the side and wearing hardware and got the cool little earpiece in your ear and your dark sunglasses and standing over in the corner being the church marshal, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Correct. You, you may be doing the right thing, but you're not doing it right. We we are first and foremost ambassadors of Christ. And I, I get interviewed by news a lot, and they want to know what makes church security different than anything else. Isn't it because you have to be welcome and, and opening? And I tell them hogwash. That's not what makes church security different. A bar has to be opening and open and welcoming, right? They wouldn't get any business, but they've still got a bouncer. Yes. And, and some of the bouncers that I've become friends with through the years, it's amazing how similar church security is to bar bouncing. I mean, they're just dealing with not yet Christians. <laughs> and I have one good friend that I go coyote hunting with, and he's a bar bouncer. And we love sharing stories. And it's so funny because, you know, they're very similar. <laughs> you know, they don't have to shoot somebody every Friday night. Uh, but they do have people who get out of control. And, uh, you know, we, we have so many who've gotten into church security because, you know, they they want to wear a firearm to church and they want to have the cool earpiece and be the, the church marshal. And, and we, we tell them, you are first and foremost. What makes church security different is that we're an ambassador of Christ first and above all else. We hope for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins and everybody we encounter. There is no better thing than to take somebody who was wanting to do evil and lead them to Christ. There is no better thing in the world. And But for the grace of God, we are that person walking in with a chip on our shoulder. And that, that doesn't mean we won't take action and protect the innocent if we need to. A friend of mine, one of our board members, he's he's been a pastor for 30 years, and he was in executive protection before that. And so he's still in executive protection and still a pastor. He says, we don't want to hurt you, but we will. You hurt one of these innocent people. We will hurt you. But that is not why we do what we do. We don't, we don't enjoy um, the violence, but we, we can resort to violence if that's what it takes to protect people. So that's, that's kind of my story. Wow. You know what? I was thinking you had mentioned a couple times um, throughout uh, your testimony that you, you made, I think it's interesting that you really made the distinction between knowing God and yet not being a Christian or not giving your life over yet. Like Thanks. that throughout throughout your story that came came up and so i just pictured like god being so 
relentless and just pursuing you and pursuing you and pursuing you until you know like i said he he had you flanked in the pickup truck and yeah. you know and then he even had another more to boot to come along you know three yeah. of them and yeah and i i don't know i just had this like uh, impression chance, of Carl. of god just being like i know he he knows me but i want him to really know me yeah. and he's gonna yeah. like i just think that's amazing that god just kept pursuing you and that you you had even made that distinction between the two because a lot of people don't realize that i think i think there are a lot of people walking around right now who think that they're saved yeah sure i believe in god so do the angels and they tremble right so does the devil yeah right right he he, he knows him very well and yeah you know what <clears throat> I love so what you spoke I, about. I, and I know some people think that's that's got them saved. And and you know what? Yeah. It, it's not about a ticket to heaven. I mean, that we, we miss so much. I mean, I look at my life and, you know, I, I think of my granddaughters and grandsons running up to me today when they got in from Colorado and hugging me and how how joyful that is. And and my wife and I living on this this farm that is that has been in our heritage for years and you know christ said we should pray you know heaven on earth you know uh, you know I'm, I'm getting scriptural freeze right now uh, <clears throat> uh, on earth as it is in heaven you know that we pray that the blessings be on earth as it is in heaven and it's yes. not about just a ticket to heaven. It's it's about living a life of Christ. Yes. And there's so many rewards to that. I mean, when I, I see so many of my friends who, you know, I, I ask them about their family. Oh, I got a brother, but I ain't talked to him in years. You know, and, and I don't understand that. I don't, I, the life is so full with family and, uh, we are so blessed and and i'm not saying that when you give your life to christ everything's a bed of roses we all know better than that right um, there's yeah. stuff that happens but you stay in there you make the right decision and and that to me that was passed on from my dad my dad didn't have missteps now he would rise up out of his grave to beg to differ with me i know but I never heard my mom and dad argue. And I've talked yeah. to my brothers about it. They didn't either. Now, I'm sure they did, but they didn't do it in front of us boys. But, you know, we too have a responsibility to model something for the people around us. Yes. And, and the reason I didn't want to give my life to God is because I had pleasure in sin. Yes. That was the reason I didn't want to give that up. My life of sin was fun, I thought. I mean, I mean, it was, but it's fleeting. It's going to come to an end. Yeah, and then uh, you're left with nothing. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know I, I told a friend of mine once that, that was fantasizing about 
you know, this, this woman, I said, you need to take that fantasy and run it all the way to the end, run it all the way out, run it out to where your grandchildren are going to grandma's house this week and grandpa's house next week. And where you're sitting alone in some lonely house when you're 90 years old, wishing you'd made better decisions. Yeah. You know, play that thing all the way out. You want to fantasize? Got to preach right there. That's good advice. Tell yourself the whole story. Right. We have uh, another, we had another guest on um, a while ago, and I keep referring to her, my friend Paulette, because she was saying like people think people think it's being a christian is boring and she's like well that means you're just not doing it right you know yeah, yeah that's true our life is anything but boring that's right <laughs> yeah wow i like that what you said too about um you may be doing the right thing but are you doing it right yeah. that's another good distinction so Thank you. A lot of experience doing the right thing the wrong way. Right. We had a question from uh, Truth Patriot. He he was asking if there's any training courses going on in Ohio. He's located in Ohio. Uh, best thing he can do is stay watching FBSNAmerica.com. And uh, right now, I don't have anything scheduled in Ohio, but I've had several people uh, talking about coming up there, and we're probably going to be doing one in Kentucky this fall, um, right on the border. Uh, but the big thing is the SOS, the Security Operations Summit. Uh, we have a summit each year, and we move that around the country, and this year that's going to be in Nashville. And uh, uh, you can get information on that by going to the website, too. And we're expecting 400 people from 40 states. We've got a lot of great speakers and great trainers lined up. So, I, short answer: No, I don't currently have anything scheduled in Ohio, but I've been there many times and looking to go back. So, stay yeah, tuned. We need He'll a security team at our church. We don't have one. Don't I asked about it actually not uh, too long ago, uh, and they yeah. were like. No, we don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Well, Mary, I, I would be surprised if you didn't have a security team at your church who wasn't a official security team at your church. No, I mean, um, honestly, my, I don't think my it's little church doesn't have my, my my little church doesn't have one. But there are two of us who provide security regardless. Yeah. Without any official you know and well, we both, yeah, I guess we yeah, that's both true. know what what's what so i mean yeah 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 i i get what you're i'm mopping what you're spending. but you're you know what you know you're you're you know it's a good it's a good question for for larger congregations that is something that the the leadership should talk about i mean they really should talk about it with their yeah with their volunteers with their congregation as, as we many, need to have a security plan we want you know as many you active shooter things that have been happening you know? in the last couple of years, um, you know? you're foolish not to. I, I think we just saw no, six Christians right. in the last month. We just, what do we see? Three three adults, three children um, on an active shooter. And and the police came in and stopped that shooter. So I, I, I'm i guessing that they didn't have any security because they had outside police come in. But 
you know, they, they, they lost six lives and, you know, maybe if, maybe if they had a good security team, they wouldn't have had any. We have a group of, uh, a dozen guys at, at my church and we, we did our training with Carl and, um, and we rotate, you know, we, we don't do it every night, but when, you know, when, when we're off and not scheduled on to do security that night, we're the same way. We're still on, (laughs) you know, and, um, and, uh, it's, I, I, you know, you just, you pray you never run into that, but you want to be prepared because you you don't want to say, man, I wish I would have, I wish we would have it's, and by that time it's too late and you don't want to be too late. Not about this. Right. No, you know, and, and you know, you know, Christ was talking about the kingdom when he was talking about building your house on the rock instead of on the sand. But I think that parable is is very apropos to other areas in your life. You want to be prepared. Yes, Pray. absolutely. Pray okay. for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah, absolutely, Mary. I tell my audiences all the time that. You know, some some of the people that I've spoke to, many of the people I've spoke to, I I will never see them again to the far side of the Jordan. And I tell them the best thing you can tell me, the best compliment I can hear from any of you is thanks for nothing. I never needed it. <laughs> um, but but I would sure hate for them to have needed it and not had it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus told us not to worry about what we eat, drink, or wear. But I've never met anybody that sits up in the morning and clothes float down on them on, out of heaven. You have to be intentional about the things that you buy and manage to eat, drink, and wear. Security is the same way. I absolutely believe God protects us. Um, but I also that is an that, amazing statement. Can you can you can you say that again? That's an amazing statement right there. Well, I, I, I say what? Repeating the whole thing about uh, Matthew's about what you buy, eat, and wear. Yeah, yeah. Because Jesus said, uh, "Don't worry about what you buy, eat, and wear. About what you uh, uh, eat, and wa- eat, drink, and wear." And uh, I think it's the 33rd chapter uh, verse of the sixth chapter. And uh, it's true. We shouldn't worry about it. Worry is a mild case of atheism. Uh, But I've never seen anybody that sits up in the morning and clothes fall down on them out of heaven and they get manna tossed at them while they're walking down the stairs and heavenly mist sprayed in their face. That isn't the way it happens. We have to be intentional about the things we eat, drink, and wear. We got to buy them and then we got to manage them. And security is the same way. Amen. Um, I believe he protects us, but I also believe we have a responsibility, especially to those around us. You know, I, and that's, that's why we lock our homes, why we seatbelt our children. We don't throw them in the car and say a prayer over them, say, God, protect them. We seatbelt them. Yeah. We drive careful. We watch the other drive. We we do it in our cars. Why would we not do it in our churches? It isn't that it has to change the whole theology of the church, and it isn't that it has to be noticeable. In fact, the less noticeable, the better. I believe. I know there's some value in in uh, 
deterrence if somebody pays and replace for bad action sees people in uniform i know there's a there's some truth to that i prefer non-uniformed covert operators and it's typically going to be about three percent of your population that feels that protection in their dna it's not going to be everybody and and those who do feel it are there so that those who don't have protection in their DNA can worship freely. And that's that's what we're about. Is we, you know, I have pastors asking me, should I carry a gun from the pulpit? And I, I tell them in most cases, no. I want you doing what God designed you to do. God gave each one of us a mission, and a pastor is, I mean, he is the shepherd. He is the one showing us the scriptures and walking us through the scriptures and giving us great life talking points. I want him focusing on that. And I want him to be able to do so freely, knowing that some of us out in the congregation will take care of it if something goes sideways. Yeah, that's perfect. Carl, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for giving your testimony. And thank you, and God bless you for everything that you're doing uh, with your training, uh, helping churches throughout this country. Lord knows we all need it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. This has been refreshing to me this week, just pondering, you know, different dates and stuff. And, you know, I, I, having great conversations with with john who was there in the room mm -hmm. with me my friend from kindergarten who gave his life the day before i did to christ <laughs> <laughs> so we celebrate joint birthdays now nice yeah it's beautiful. i love when you said you, there's something different about him <laughs> yeah yeah I, beautiful. Knew when I, saw I had a friend that and was just like that one of the guys that um that was nudging me along and it was someone that I had known for years. And man, we used to do some really shady stuff together. You know, we, yeah, we yeah. were a bad company, you know, and, um, uh, one day he walked into my work and I looked at him and I was like, hey, what is different about this guy? And I'm looking at him <laughs> head to toe and I'm like, it ain't the new shoes. Like it ain't a haircut. Like I can't figure this out, but something's different about this guy. And after about five minutes yeah. of sitting down, I figured out real quick, he found the Lord and you could just yeah. see it. He was just glowing. I mean, what a change, you know, they talk about, there's gotta be a change of the heart. That guy, that guy, his yeah. heart changed and he helped change yeah. my heart. God bless. Well, this rust thing that I was telling you about, um, I, I, I'll talk to you offline about him, but I think he'd be one of your very interesting people. Yeah. We'd love to have we'll, awesome. We'll, that we'll, would be we'll awesome. Set that up. And, uh, yeah. We've got some friends here that would like for you to come on their podcast too and talk a little bit more about the situations that you've been in and um and also your your training that you do. So we're gonna set you up with those be honored. as well. I would be honored to do so. So if we can I have so enjoyed this. Thank you, Carl. We, we've been looking forward to it. I know you have too. So man, what a great match you are. Thank you for coming on the Godcast. Thank you for doing what you do. Okay, so let's talk about salvation now. I want to read Romans 10, 13. This is the greatest guarantee that you will ever have in life right here. Romans 10, 13 says, 
everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love that. Everyone. Not every other. Not every tenth. He's not picking and choosing. (laughs) No, no. Every single one who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you are listening tonight and you love what God has done in Carl's life and you would like that for yours as well, and you're ready to call upon the Lord, please don't hesitate. Hit that call-in button now tonight, and I'm going to leave that call-in feature open from now until the end of our very last song that we play tonight. So anytime between now and the end of the podcast, if you want, please call in, and we're going to pray together. And it's very simple. Uh, First and foremost, you must, yes, recognize and understand that you are a sinner. Repent of those sins. And of course, you believe that Jesus died on the cross and that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And that's what salvation is. It's very easy. I'm going to read Romans 10, 9 through 10. And that says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So please, if you'd like that for yourself, please call in. We'll pray together right now. For those that are listening on a recording, you can find on Telegram, on our page, this is an official Godcast, you can find Romans 10.9 right there in print if you'd like to uh, say that prayer with yourself. And also we have a prayer of surrender on our Telegram page too. And, you know, the, the, these are little tools that will help you if you're, if you're not quite sure of the verbiage. These are little tools that will help you. Um, everything that you need is right there. And, of course, Romans 10.9 is in the Bible. So, hey, if you, if you don't have a Bible, let Mary and myself know. Send us an email at thisisanofficialgodcast at gmail.com. We've got a couple Bibles. We'll send them out to you. We'll set you up with Jason Stillman, who will help and guide you along the way. Also, Little Red Rocking Chair, Laura Reeves, for the women that are out there. Uh, all of us will love to help you, um, and we'll do everything that we can to help you and guide you along the way. So please do. But if you're here listening to us live, please call in. We're doing salvation right now. Don't hesitate. Anytime between now and the end of the show, you can call in. If I could just reiterate a couple of the announcements that we have, of course, you do not want to leave Podbean from here until the end of the night. Eight o'clock, we're already 38 minutes late. So if you haven't left and went to Conley's, do that now or after our prayer. And then 9 p.m., we've got uh, Scott doing Bards FM, Scott Kesterson, Bards FM, 9 p.m. at 10.30 tonight, Kilted Christian, 10.30 Eastern, and then at midnight, Fishers of Men. So please do that. And don't forget to come back here next week. We have episode 24. This is Friday. We're getting into a new month. We're getting into June. June 2nd, Friday, 7 p.m. right here at Eastern Time on Podbean. We'll have Skip Coriel. And then the week after that, on the 9th, we'll have Victor Pierce here. So please come back and listen to us again. Also, we just signed on a, uh, an incredible guest, and he is coming. Um, I don't even have it written down yet. I don't even have a date for it yet. Let me see. We're, we're, it's going to be late August, and 
for those of you on Telegram. Critical Rice. Critical yeah, Rice. Yeah. For that those is of you August on, 25th. Oh, awesome. August 25th. So if anyone's on Telegram, if you haven't seen the page Critical Rice Theory, this, this is a pretty strong page. He's got 11,000 followers on there. The content is incredible. He does a afternoon prayer every day. His name is Eric Rice. He's an incredible man of God. Um, if you want to catch one of his prayers, uh, tune into Critical Rice Theory right about noon. And he it, it's different every day, the timing, because he's he, he does work. He's got a nine to five job too, but he takes a little break from work and does about 15 minutes of prayer every day. And uh, very similar to what we have at 4 p.m. on Friday with Scott, you know, he, he gathers up some prayer requests and goes through them, but man, what an incredible man and a, and a great page. And we're really, and he was another guy that was just like, Carl, I didn't even get my question out. And he's like, yes, I'd love to come on and give my testimony. So we're really excited for, uh, for Eric Rice to be on here. And, uh, he's got a page critical race theory. Check that out on telegram. Uh, great con content on, um, you know, current events and, you know, of course, a lot of Jesus and it, it, and it's just a, it's just a great page. It's one of my favorite pages. Um, so please check that out. Check out Eric Rice. He'll be here uh, August 25th, Mary, August 25th. Yes. August 25th. All right. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, see on the announcement, Sarah, Mary, do we have any prayer requests for tonight? I didn't notice any in the chat. But, you know, that's okay. Okay. God knows. We do want to pray for Jeff. We spoke about that during oh, our yes. pre-show here. Yes. We are greatly missing Jeff. We, we're missing him on the weekends. Uh, you know, Saturday and Sunday, him and Duncan do this show. It's called Brothers in a Bible. And, man, what a strong show. And, uh, Jeff, you're greatly missed. We miss you, brother. We miss you on Brothers in a Bible, and we miss you here Friday night. And uh, we're really looking forward to your health getting back. And we're going to pray for Jeff and also Nikki Knight as well. Uh, so if anybody does have any prayer requests, go ahead and get those in quick because we are just about ready to start a good prayer here. Okay. It's like Boone, Nathan needs a prayer. Nathan, brother, thank you for coming. Moon was here in the audience tonight. He was here giving his testimony uh, a few a few a few miles ago. That was great. Thank you, Moon Wolf. Nathan, yes, we'll pray for you. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Lord. We just we come before you right now and another Friday night. So happy to be here with you, Lord. And I'm so thankful. We're all so thankful that that you led Carl here tonight to share how you've pursued him <laughs> and you, how relentless you are. And I'm just so thankful for what you've done in his life and that what a legacy, Lord, that you have established in his family. Lord, I just ask for a, a blessing just to be He's already so blessed, Lord, but I just ask for even a more of a blessing, even more than he could possibly even fathom to imagine. Lord, just bless his family right from from him and his wife, all of their kids, all those grandkids and everyone that comes in contact with him, Lord, and and in his personal life and in his business life, Lord, I, I pray for every contact that he comes across that will be a divine appointment with you, Lord, and that 
you will work through him to even establish more of a legacy in someone else and in their family because I just see that's how you love to work, Lord. And so thank you so much that you've brought him here to share this tonight. And Lord, we want to lift up a couple people that um, that we know have not been feeling too good. And and one of them is, is our beloved brother, Jeff. And uh, we're sure missing him, Lord. And but Lord, I, I, I pray for healing over Jeff and, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, anything that, um, that you're working out in him, Lord, um, physically, I just pray that he will have a relief from any kind of pain that's going on or any sickness. We just, we pray to that, um, his body right now and the authority of Jesus Christ, we pray health and vitality, strength, joy, comfort, peace, all those things into Jeff right now. And we look so look forward to him coming back and being with us. But Lord, I also pray for those that's this time that he's away, Lord, that um, we know that it's not it won't be wasted time because he's with you and we know that his heart just longs for you and he longs for you know to get into your word and i just pray that for revelation for jeff right now and that these quiet times that he's with you that they will just be the most awesome times that he will be able to get so so much closer to you lord and that you just give him a revelation upon revelation you you want to do that so much for us you want to show us those deep and hidden things so i pray for that for jeff right now and nikki and all the things that are going on with her home we just pray against that mold in the name of the lord jesus christ we reject that we rebuke it lord just bring your holy spirit clean it all up and just bless her from her top of her head to her toes we just pray for a, a blessing over her health right now in the name of jesus we pray vitality into nikki as well and her fam her whole family and we thank you for the the abundance of generosity that people have come forward to to help her out lord and we pray even more for that we just pray more upon that family and also want to lift up uh nathan and he's got a he's got a big leap of faith going on and a, a big move he said that he needs to decide on and so um whatever that move involves you know if it's physical or emotional or you know whatever that is you know lord and so we just we just pray that you're your guidance and your peace will be in whatever decision that he makes and that it will be God-led and that Nathan will just look to you whenever he is wondering about what to do in this situation, that he would, it would be clear. Make that clear to him, Lord, and give him encouragement and joy and peace in that decision. We just thank you for Nathan. We thank you for his being our brother. And um, he gives so much encouragement and joy to so many people. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. 
And we're, I'm just super thankful about everything right now. <laughs> and I thank you for Jason coming in tonight and um, being a, a co-host with us. It's always a joyful to have my friend Jason on. So um, we just ask for a blessing over him. And uh, Lord, if you've called him to Yuba, help him listen. Because we love to have him there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just thank you for everything. And we, we lift up anybody who is listening to this right now. If you're in the chat, if you're listening later, who knows? Maybe it's five years from now. That's okay. God's outside of space and time. So we just pray your salvation into whoever hears this, Lord. Stir with them. Wrestle with them. Wrestle with them like like Carl was talking about and feeling that Holy Spirit just stirring him up. So we pray for that, that that will happen, even if it's just to one. We love you, Lord. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Carl. Man, God bless you for being here, brother. What well, a testimony tonight. What a testimony. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Yeah, agreed, Mary. What what a legacy, Carl, that you're leaving behind. Um, and with all those grandchildren, we know that family farm's not, not going to be leaving the, the Chin family uh, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. All of them little blessings running around. And um Carl, we'd love to keep and talk to you all night, but man, at the same time, I really want to get you back to them grandkids because there's no greater yeah, joy in life yeah. than family. There yeah, just I'm, isn't. I'm, um, one of the things I've learned when uh, one of the things I've learned is that the, the the most important thing in life is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and family. <laughs> there's just nothing better in yeah. life. There really isn't. No, it was an honor to work for Dr. James Dobson for many years, and he is known for many good quotes but one of them was he said nobody wishes they'd spent more time at the office at the end of their life amen to that yeah it's very true amen to that well thank, thank you. you um for those that are listening i want to thank each and every one of you for being here um you're i i, I can't tell you how blessed i am just just to have you all part of my life and and i want to encourage each and every one of you uh, since nobody called in for salvation, that means each and every one of you is saved, which uh, I, I pray that means that each and every one of you has a relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage each and every one of you to please get a hold of us so you can come on and give your testimony here as well. And if you're not going to do that, you know, hey, we all have someone in our life that we love to the ends of this earth that don't know God. And, and you know what, that's, that's why we're here. We're here to spread the gospel. So please tell them your testimony, find that person you love that does not know God and share with them your testimony. Please do that. And I will, uh, leave you guys with a song and let's get out of here. Okay. My dearest friends, let us not forget. We're here for one reason, one reason only that's to spread the gospel of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. So please share your testimony with someone you love. Guys, I love you, man. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thank you. No, you can't get to heaven without 
S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. No, you can't get to heaven without S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Shout it out loud and clear. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Sing it out far and near. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. No, you can't get to heaven without S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. And as a gift of his love you receive S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Act 16, 31. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. Just believe and receive. S-A-L-V-A-T-I-O-N. All right. God bless each and every one of you, and we'll see you next week. We love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.